This is JU Israel Teachers Lounge, where we reach out to current Gap Year students, alumni, and any interested listeners, keeping you connected to what's happening in Israel and giving you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Senior JU Israel Educator Michael Unterberg, and today joined as always by co-host and director of JU Israel, Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan? Doing pretty well, Mike. Good start of the week. Yeah, not bad. And also today joined by Israel Educator Matt Littman. How's it going, Matt? It's going great. Thank you, Michael. Well, we just wrapped up our interview with Natan Sharansky. Woo! Great Zionist hero. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. We're a little. We're a wow. little gushing. We're a little yes. like <laughs> man crushing, fangirling, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I, it went very well. I think uh, we're very excited. It's Sunday morning, so if we didn't cover the big news of the rest of the week, that's why. Um, but we wanted to uh, give you a heads up about the sort of topics we are. But but some of you, we realized you're from like another planet than we are age-wise. And some of you may not understand who it was we just sat in a room with. So Matt, could you read his uh, curriculum vitae? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, Natan Sharansky was born in Donetsk in the Ukraine. He was a spokesman for the human rights movement, a prisoner of Zion, and leader in the struggle for the rights of Soviet Jews to immigrate to Israel. He requested to make Aliyah and was... Re- was refused that request and was arrested on trumped-up charges of treason and espionage. He was convicted in a Soviet court and served nine years in the Gulag with many stretches in a punishing cell. Uh, After massive uh, public campaigns by the State of Israel, world jury and leaders of the free world, he was released in 1986 and made Aliyah on the very day of his release. In his first years in Israel, he established the Zionist Forum to assist Soviet Olim in their absorption to Israel. And in the 1990s, he established the Israel Ba'aliyah Party in order to help the integration of Russian Jews. He served in four successive Israeli governments as minister and deputy prime minister. In 2018, he received the highest Israeli award, the Israel Prize for Promoting Aliyah and Gathering of the Exiles. He is a recipient of the Congressional Medal of Honor and the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He is the only non-living American citizen, only living non-American citizen, sorry, <laughs> only living non-American citizen who is a recipient of these two highest American awards. Um, he has also served as chairman of the executive of the Jewish Agency, and the primary mission of the Jewish Agency is guaranteeing takes a while <laughs> is the future of the Jewish people by strengthening the connection of every Jew to the state of Israel and the Jewish people. He's the author of three books. We encourage you to check them out: Fear No Evil, The Case for Democracy, and Defining Identity. He remains a champion of the right of all people to live in freedom and believes the advancement of human rights is critical to peace and security around the world. I would say... Uh, I told you, Zionist hero. Yeah, Zionist <laughs> hero. I would say the case for democracy and, uh, and for Zero. identity, oh. I think, are important if, you're, if you think in terms of political science terms and you're interested in his political philosophy. Fear No Evil, I think, is an important human document that every human on earth should read and understand. It's sometimes, the beginning takes a little while to get into, just reading-wise, but once you get to the core of it, you realize that you're understanding things about what it is to be a human being that you didn't know. Awesome. A, a fundamentally important work. We're, we discuss in this interview, we talked about feelings about democracy and nationalism and, and how that's a difficult topic for the youth of today. We talked about Israel-Diaspora relations. We talked a little bit about Israeli politics. Uh, his accent is thick, but his brain is... Brilliant. Astonishing. <laughs> so uh, we hope you enjoy and appreciate the opportunity as much as we did. Let's jump in. Go ahead. Okay, so thank you so much for meeting with us this morning, Natan Sharansky. We really appreciate it very much. We, we think that our student, your voice to our students is going to be very helpful f- for them to understand what's going on. 
the first question I wanted to ask you about was uh, your opinion about the Israeli government over the last couple of years. This administration has been meeting with leaders of countries that definitely don't have a sterling record of democracy. And we've heard praise of their leadership. And I wanted to know, because you're so outspoken about, in the case for democracy, about the need uh, to address the human rights, uh, even of countries that we deal with, I just wanted to know your thought about where this mm -hmm. administration is standing in terms of how it deals with those powers. Well, first of all, we have to talk to everybody. Uh, all my criticism of all the administrations of the United States of America was not why they're talking to Saudi Arabia, but while, why, while talking to Saudi Arabia, they never raise the question of human rights. And not only they don't raise the question of human rights, but almost every president, beginning from President Reagan and then Bush father and Bush son and Clinton, told me personally that Saudi Arabia is not about human rights, it's about stability. And that's where my criticism was, that uh, you cannot be blind about such things. You have to understand that uh, uh, relying on dictators who violate human rights, you inevitably risk the stability of the free world. And Saudi Arabia was an excellent uh, example of how all the American uh, governments felt that it's their biggest factor of stability, and then practically all those who in are responsible for 9-11 came from Saudi Arabia. And the ideology which fed them was born in Saudi Arabia. So uh, that's why the fact that Israel government is meeting with the government of Austria, uh, who, where one of two parties is very problematic in its philosophy, or meeting with the government of Hungary, it's their obligation. It's obligation of prime minister to meet and discuss and explain our position. So, the question is: while meeting with these governments, are we making a case about uh, the uh, the danger of anti-Semitism and why uh, Jewish communities of this country sometimes feel themselves very uncomfortable with their positions? And I have to say, from what I know, from the discussions in which I was involved. Uh, Prime Minister does take it as a point to meet with the representatives of the Jewish community before and after his meeting with the leaders and to discuss what are the, uh, what are the demands that uh, we have to put and to expect. But that's a narrow focus yeah. regarding the Jewish... Yeah, and, you now, know. Uh, now uh, in general, we, we have a big problem now. I mean, we Jewish people in the state of Israel because anti-Semitism, which always was uniting us, is now dividing us. Why? Because there is left-wing anti-Semitism, which is uh, directed strongly against Israel, and there is right-wing anti-Semitism, which is directed strongly against Jewish communities, and when Jewish communities are trying to undermine, or some representative of Jewish communities, the importance of this uh, anti-Israeli uh, criticism, saying that uh, their devotion to human rights is so important that we have to cooperate with them, like uh, Linda Sarsour, for example, or Black right. Lives Matter. Or on the other hand, when the Israeli government is undermining the importance of this uh, right-wing anti-Semitism, saying that 
uh, uh, the, these states are very important for us, and that's why we can ignore other things. That's the clear uh, recipe, or clear way for uh, for uh, not only for disagreements, but also for uh, collision, for for d deep uh, 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 contradiction between our interests. We really have to find the way uh, that uh, that we have a kind of understanding that those who hate Jews but say they love Israel, or those who love Israel, or uh, love Jews, or say they love Jews, but hate Israel, cannot be our allies. Look, again, tactically, everybody cannot someone be our ally. Uh, Stalin was ally of Churchill mm -hmm. at the time of the war. But uh, Churchill always saw knew the real Stalin nature was. of Stalin. He knew when to stop uh, when our cooperation is finishing and when the fight against this uh, starts. So that's why I can't say that we should never be at any moment of history on any question, never be uh, allies uh, of dictatorships. I, I don't like the regime of Egypt, and I think we have to be much more critical about violations of human rights that all the democratic dissidents in, in Egypt are in prison. On the other hand, of course, when it comes to fighting with Hamas, there is mutual interest, and we have to share it. But we always have to remember what is the problem and to speak about it. Uh, and uh, Are there leaders who you think strike that balance properly or have in the past? No, I, I think it is a process. No, I, I think it's not enough understood, the need for such a balance. I think Bibi Netanyahu personally and I, uh, was involved in a couple of discussions in the government when I was the head of Jewish agency on this issue in the government. I saw that he understands the problem, uh, but uh, to strike this balance is not easy. And I think that what can help us to strike the right balance, both to the government and to Jewish organizations, I have to say, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's it, you cannot... Uh, take it separately. You cannot have criticism separately. When uh, uh, just recently I heard uh, criticism that, of course, uh, is, uh, there are reasons for Israeli government uh, to like or even love some steps of President Trump. He made some things which never were done before, friendly towards Israel. But why are you embracing him so patiently? Why are you saying that he is the best friend of Israel you ever had? I, I fully agree with this, but I immediately have to remind them. You know, I can understand why you're so much in love with President Obama, but why you are embracing him so patiently when he signed the agreement which every specialist in Israel believed is extremely dangerous for Israel's security? Why you are saying that uh, that's the best agreement which we always can have, and now we know it's, it's not true? So both leaders of Jewish communities of the world and the leaders of Israel have to strike the right balance. And I believe the right balance can be struck uh, if you understand the core of this problem. The core of this problem is that uh, the liberalism of today is denying the value of national state. Uh, it comes from the fact that after the Second World War it was decided that nationalism brings to 
Nazism, to fascism, to killing of millions of people. And that's why we have to get rid of nationalism. And that helped a lot to the liberal left to move in the direction of denying the value of national state of, of Israel. And we, Jews of the world and Israel, understand the value of national state. Now, as the counter wave now is the strong wave of going back to, uh, to nationalism. And in Europe, practically all those parties that we are talking about, uh, right-wing uh, parties, they are the direct result of counter-attack of nationalism. And they are saying, uh, as a result, they are undermining the importance of human rights and equality, right. because they say, you deprived us of the meaning of our life, of our national pride, and we want to go back to our national pride. And the Jews of the world and the state of Israel knows how it is important to be national state, but also to be democratic state. How our desire to have our identity and desire to be free has to go together. And that must be the base of our understanding. We cannot go uh, to the extreme of those who are denying the importance of Jewish state and based on this uh, new anti-Semitism against the Jewish state, but we cannot be also with those who deny the importance of democracy and freedom. And on this base, are trying to uh, to build uh, uh, new relations with Israel. Is it possible uh, that in the profession of diplomacy, there's a there's a there's a tendency not to be that open and honest, that 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 sort of guarded form of communication? Well, look, uh, I, do, I know it's difficult, and uh, <clears throat> I know that uh, as a politician, one of the most difficult things for me was that as a dissident, I didn't need any compromise. Mm -hmm. It was clear, right. a black and white cut. As a politician. You can't move. The coalition government cannot exist. Exactly. Even one day if it doesn't have a compromise. But it has to be put on the table, openly, clearly. Yes, we are dealing with Austria and this and these things, and we strongly disagree uh, with them with this. Yes, Jewish community say that we are uh, we are supporting uh, 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 feminism, but we cannot support uh, Sarsour's slogan that every feminist must be anti-Zionist. So it all has to be... Uh, and where are your red lines? And then it will be much easier to the Jewish community on one hand and the Israeli government on the other to see where our uh, red lines meet. So I, I, I found with your analysis of um, the Jewish, the, the Jewish liberal or the liberal world and its conflict with the ideas of nationalism um, is something very prevalent in our students, or at least my students. It's coming up more and more. Where today, when we have discussions about students, okay, what what's the best for the state of Israel? You know, uh, a democratic state on a smaller piece of land, a bigger state of binationalism with Jew, uh, with Jews and Arabs living together under one state. In the past, almost always it would be where um, Jews of uh, the Jews need their own nation state, whereas today I'm finding more, not not overwhelming, but more and more voices saying, no, we maybe really should go to a system of binationalism. Um, I've never finding... heard about that before, and that's in the last five years or so. You, it's more and more prevalent. In, in other words, in every class, you'll have one, two, maybe even a couple more students who, who feel that way. And so it also seems to me indicative of this, The uh, certainly the generations now growing up, that they 
don't take for um, they don't they, they take for granted a lot of rights and they don't see the, the importance of Jews having their own nation state. And I'm, I'm um, seeing also, in addition yeah. to seeing that over the last five years, I'm seeing the rise of a, of, a, of a growing minority of students who say, so why don't we just take over and it won't be a democracy? We'll just have a, a, a Jewish state that rules people. Right, on the other side. And it, you, you're seeing that also? Yeah, yeah, on the other side, right. Yeah, I've seen it uh, a lot. It, so uh, it's very... We, it's we, very troubling. It's very troubling. It's very troubling in the classroom, like how to, to, to the, the rising of these polarized and these divisions... Um, between uh, the idea of really the possibility of a liberal democratic nation state, it seems to be less and less possible within yeah. the minds of the. Of and I'm, the I'm worried. Today. I'm worried. I'm starting to see people, Jews, who are starting to say, "Well, maybe Israel doesn't have to be Jewish, or maybe Israel doesn't have to be democratic." Okay, so what can I tell? Uh, I, it, it's uh, an old problem. I have to say, I was the activist of Zionist movement and human rights movement in the Soviet Union. And I was criticized from both sides. You have mm. to choose. You cannot be real Democrat if you're a Zionist, or you cannot be real Zionist if you're concerned about human rights or Soviet Union. And, I, and you have to choose, and I always felt it's absolute mistake to choose because uh, uh, all my power, uh, while I had no identity, I had no power. All my life was about survival. I started fighting against KGB, against Soviet Union, against totalitarianism for human rights. Only when I had to base, when I had my people, my country, my history, that what gave me strength. Later in the prison, I was challenged sometimes by my dissident friends who were in prison, who were definitely envious, everybody was envious about that you have such a state behind you, and we Ukrainian nationalists, we have such a great Ukrainian diaspora, which is not fighting for us, and right. all this discussion. Right. And then in order to challenge me, they were saying, okay, now choose what, if there are only two options, or uh, Israel is a dictatorship, communist dictatorship, but national state, or Israel is a, a real democracy, but not a national state. Uh, what will you, what you choose? Because we uh, want to choose. And I understanding the trap for the, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I sincerely think I was saying, I'll tell you frankly, there is no chance that Israel will survive as uh, abstract democracy. Because from where it will take us the strength to fight one generation after another, to fight for the right to have uh, 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 this democratic state. If simply you want to live in democracy, you can go without fighting to live in Miami or in Paris or some other place. So you really need this passion of reconnecting yourself to the thousands of years of history, to your national story. Uh, to your narrative, and and you're ready to fight for this. And I know that it gives a lot of strength. Now, there is no chance that we'll survive as a dictatorship because Jews will not want to live in the dictatorship. They will not come. So there'll be no one gathering of exiles. So we have no choice. And I really, and I believe in it. That's why I'm so alarmed each time when there are some kind of disbalance in our country of this. And I think we have no other choice choice but to repeat and repeat it to every Jew in the world. Exactly. For a thousand years, the moment 
those of us who decided that they choose between these, they are assimilated or become irrelevant for our history. All our history is how to be part of Jewish story and how to be free. Uh, the fact that today when half of people live in Israel, half in liberal society, so our priorities for our survival are different, that we have to make much bigger as a priority our security. And they have to make much bigger priority how to make sure that this liberal surrounding will continue. It doesn't undermine the fact that for our and their survival, there is no other option but to defend, to defend democracy and to defend uh, our national story, in this case, our national state. I'd like so, to ask you something. Um, recently in Israel, there's been some talk, some of the policies that the government um, have been trying to enact, um, or I'm trying to think of a place. For example, when there's been um, anti-Israel activists who have been detained at the airport, we discussed this on our podcast yeah. a few weeks ago, something like that. Um, or when uh, the nation-state bill, some people feel that that was a threat to democracy. How do you feel about the idea of um, the Israeli government itself moving towards a direction where some people say, hang on, you're, you're taking us away from that democratic, you're strengthening the Jewish story. Just all you have to, to uh, tell the truth how you feel. I will not make it a secret for a moment that I think this, uh, this decision uh, not to let in uh, uh, everybody involved in BDS is a very stupid decision. Uh, BDS is an awful thing and we have to fight. But as I was saying in the Knesset, I was saying, when you were discussing this law, did you invite anybody from the campus who's fighting BDS hmm. and ask him or her whether it will help? We, are, we have almost 100 shlichim uh, on my project to have representatives on the campus of Israel, of Jewish agency, who day and night are fighting BDS. That's uh, their main work for the whole year. Did you ask any of them whether it will help? They could say that it doesn't help. So uh, I, I think it was, uh, uh, I disagree with those who are saying that it's unprecedented for democratic countries such a law. There are different types of law in the democratic country. It was simply not useful counterproductive. Okay. Uh, and that's why when they started applying it, it was very difficult. In the beginning, they had to explain, oh, no, it's not for those who are coming for birth rates. You remember? Because our enemies immediately started using it for, hmm. and not for this. And then we don't know for whom it really used. And then the minister decides, oh, we'll use it for this. And then <laughs> right. Supreme Court says, so all this balagan, I don't say it's because we are becoming less democratic, but because we don't have a good way of discussing things with the representatives of Jewish communities whom we try to help. Mm. The second uh, national law, I strongly disagree with those who said that there was no need in national law. There was a need in the law which says it very clearly that we are the country of the law of return. We have all the legitimate rights because our enemies, post-Zionists, anti-Zionists, new anti-Semites, they all the time are saying the country with the law of return, it's New apartheid. It's, and it, it's nonsense. Uh, so the law which says clearly that, yes, Israel government, uh, Israel is the home of all Jewish people. We take responsibility. We feel responsibility for their security. We want, we, we are proudly declaring that the law of return is the basic law of this country. That's all good. And, and I, I believe it's important. For years I was supporting it. 
the fact that the, the way how it was introduced and how it was fought, it brought us to situation when we have almost finished constitution and the equality of the citizens is not mentioned. Mm -hmm. It's huge mistake, and I was speaking against it. I'm speaking against it, and I and see that our Knesset has to, uh, to correct it. Of course, it is explained that, uh, there is an explanation that, in fact, through decisions of the Supreme Court, the equality of citizens is presented in the other right. place. Mm -hmm. But here we are not doing it through decision of the court. We say that it's national state by decision of the parliament. There has to be absolute symmetry. And to explain to somebody uh, 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 in the campus, to Jewish students in the campus, right. why there is such as asymmetry, it's almost impossible. Uh, when I try to formulate for our government the, their explanation, I try to translate it into normal language, and they say, do you understand that it's absolutely impossible to explain logically? And did they respond to you? Well, but we have to take into account yeah. our reality when if you uh, put such a formula, then Supreme Court can decide this and then this. Uh, I don't accept it. It sounds I, like a legal minefield. Rather yeah, than like, exactly. So again, to say that it destroys the, uh, the democracy, of course not. And in fact, in practice, everybody agrees. That in practice, this law didn't change uh, anything. But to make our case much more difficult to explain by creating even some, even if it is illusion of asymmetry between our national rights and our uh, and human rights of individuals, is a big mistake. I And I don't see the problem when we speak frankly. Exactly. Look, all those people who are saying that because of this uh, position of Israel account, we cannot support the existence of the State of Israel. They are extremely critical about their own president. I never heard that as a result, mm -hmm. right. they are doubtful that uh, American democracy should not exist. Right. They, they support it fully, I feel, right. even with the president <laughs> whom they don't like. So why here one or another uh, law, which by the way is all the time discussed and changed, mm -hmm. right. why it's not simply uh, should give us additional energy to push for change, and it will bring us to the uh, camp of those who, in fact, deny the existence of the state right. of Israel. So we've, we've found similar uh, problems also explaining it to our students, not explaining it, discussing it, and they've brought up similar issues. Another issue that they bring up is really the, the role of religion, and yeah. particularly Jewish religion, in the state. And when we talk about democracies, it's very hard for our students to understand um, how, for instance, a conservative rabbi cannot... Uh, perform a wedding in Israel. It could be or, called into the police if right. he does. Uh, or, yeah, the whole police, or uh, or the all the issues surrounding the Kotel and why there's not equal access in the Kotel deal that's been, you know, would you work so hard in politics. Would you work so hard? And so that, that's another place that it comes up against this idea of Israel's a democratic state for those of our students, obviously, who are in a diaspora and coming from very different kinds of uh, experiences. Okay. Uh, all... Uh, their questions are also my questions, and I also write them, <laughs> and I fight for them. And if they want to uh, make Elian join us in this struggle, they are most welcomed. By the way, I have to say that from the time of the first Who is a Jew crisis that I was involved, when I just became minister in 1997, I think, uh, 
Ariel Sharon, who took like the role of and while he was sitting near me, he warned me that he understands Russian, and he didn't understand <laughs> Russian. Uh, and he spoke, it's interesting, with some strange accent in Russian. Only later, when I met him together with Georgian president, I understand that his accent is Georgian, uh, because his mother, mother is from uh, Georgia. Right. And so, <laughs> so but, but he was like giving me free advice. And when started this crisis, and I was absolutely against... Uh, this imposition of uh, orthodox uh, conversion on everybody. And uh, he explained, look, Nathan, I'm even more liberal than you on the, who is a Jew. For me, everybody who is a good soldier is a good Jew. <laughs> so, But if you want to succeed as a politician, you have to understand, you have to work, first of all, to defend those who vote for you. <laughs> and reformed and conservative, even though for me, uh, they are very good Jews, but they are not voting for you. Mm. And just now, when you are fighting for them, you undermine your efforts to fight for Russian Alim who sent you to the Knesset. Because, for example, Minister of Construction or Minister of Interior will not be working with you on this question. Right. I don't say I accepted the logic, but I, and uh, I'm fighting all my life against it and saying there is only one Jew in the world who, because of this, doesn't feel himself at home in Israel, we have to change it. Right. But there is, but again, in the, in the political world, there is a lot of right. uh, logic in this. And so I do say, the more reform the conservative movement do to strengthen their community here, yeah, right. not simply to fight for their right there, but okay, the easier it will be to fight for this. Now, as uh, to essence, there is also, it's not all, let's say, the prejudices. There are some real historical fears which Israelis feel. For example, we are creating a new state. We are creating one nation. From for the first time, there was uh, there is no book that you can read how you are recreating nation from hundreds of uh, exiles coming after right. a thousand years, and you want to find common denominator. And from the beginning, Ben Gurion decided, and if you know, during the first uh, crisis of who is a Jew, he asked for like uh, 60 wise mm -hmm. people in the world, the opinion. And in the end, the opinion of everybody was, you must have the common denominator, and at this moment, there is no common denominator, but halacha. And that's why when it's coming, what kind of conversion has to be in order to be accepted by all the sides of Israel. It was decided then by Ben Gurion. It was decided that it must be Orthodox conversion. And then the struggle which also we had uh, how to make it more liberal, how to make right. it different, how to to do to some streams to participate in it. But it was almost never in Israel, it was never support the idea that you must have uh, different conversions which will not be recognized by many, by different groups. Because here you live not only simply in local Jewish community. You live in the state where there must be some platform what makes us all citizens, uh, uh, legitimate citizens of one, one state. So why I'm saying it, not in order to undermine everything what I was saying, right. and I'm saying all the time fighting for the rights <laughs> right. of reform and conservative. I want to show that there are some real concerns, or, not, or for example, uh, Normal Israeli is absolutely sure, based on statistics which is published by American Jewry, that pluralism is the road to assimilation. 
and they're going to disappear. Right. American Jews, I have still to show, based on uh, their own way of life, that pluralism is the way of survival of a big part of the community. <laughs> so whether it is, who is right? And you know what? From my experience, both are right. <laughs> so the moment you understand that everybody has his own re reasons, you need to discuss them and to be more aggressive against them. But to, to look for compromise is a different situation. Uh, so we, we are Jews, wise people. We always have this on one hand and the other hand. That is the base <laughs> of all our wisdom for thousands of years. We, we refuse to do it in our relations between Israel and diaspora. Why do you think that is? Uh, because uh, uh, everybody is very passionate in defending its immediate interests and uh, uh, the other as a threat instead of seeing the other as the opportunity. Mm. So how can a relationship... Well, our relations can improve and continue only through dialogue. That's exactly what we Jews were doing for a thousand years, and we have to. And the fact that half of Jews live in Israel and half of Jews live in diaspora is not the reason to to stop our very intense, very deep, very serious dialogue. But it can be successful only if we in advance decide that we want to remain one people. We want to remain part of the same story, because really, if there are those who decide. My Jewishness doesn't really matter for me. I am liberal person of the world. I am. Uh, uh, I think there's some interesting change in America is happening. Before they were saying, "I'm Jew and that's why I'm liberal." Now some say, "I'm liberal and that's why I'm Jew." Right. And so the moment you decide that that's what's important for you, why should you stay Jewish? So, yeah. Or the moment you decide that uh, that. Uh, uh, well, jury is not important for you. They are thinking differently. They are not making a liar. We gave them other opportunities. They decided to say, I don't care about them. No, it's, uh, they're also, then there is no base for, for discussion. But from my experience, overwhelming majority of Israelis want that world jury will be part of their story, even if they don't live in Israel. Mm -hmm. And I think that overwhelming majority of Jews in the world want to be part of Jewish story, understand the importance of, of Israel for this. So if you all are so wise, why not to talk? <laughs> I don't want to wish something mean for you, but if, if we could, if, hypothetically, if you were the prime minister of Israel, <laughs> what okay. would you set as like the... I was not uh, very successful in, <laughs> in, in making... Uh, Compromises when I was a minister, you know, I well, res uh, so I resigned twice. I was in four governments and I resigned twice. For example, I was in four different prisons in Soviet Union and I never resigned. So <laughs> I'm not sure that that's a good proposal. All right, so let's make you advisor the prime. I'll be a little okay. kinder. What would yeah. you say Israel should set? Forgetting security issues, yeah. what should be the strategic goals? I, f I fear often that politicians are very tactical, but they're not strategic. What do you think Israel should be setting as its long-term strategic no, goals? I think uh, the message of Israel to world Jewry has to be, uh, we are your home, which by the way is anyway the message. But it means that not only you are welcomed, but you're welcomed with your community and with your rabbi and with your prayer. And, we are, and though it is not so easy to do, 
but we are ready to sit and discuss with you and do our best in order to strengthen you this feeling and really welcome you with all your community. That must be message. The message of World Jewry is that we understand that without Israel, we will not survive as Jews. And that's why we are ready to do everything to help uh, to preserve Israel, to defend Israel. And if sometimes you see that we are not doing enough, uh, we are ready to sit and discuss why uh, we have disagreements and what can be done in order we will fulfill our function of defending Israel better. I mean, let's be honest, it's the, uh, really the Orthodox parties which really stand in the way of that. Is there a way to get them on board you know, with this at all? Uh, uh, but to, uh, that uh, Orthodox parties uh, are even more willing to say that Israel is the home for all the Jews. The thing is what what they think the being a Jew means. I'll tell you, I know that the natural desire is to fight against the Orthodox parties. Uh, my biggest problem is not with them. Because at least they, they say frankly, truly, before elections and after elections, what they think. And yeah. I disagree with them. Right. But, and they're a minority. What they think really about, that, let's say, there are some ministers who said that reformed Jew is not a Jew, uh, or is not a real Jew, right. or is, is 10% Jew, whatever. It's minority which thinks, like, mm-hmm. in Israel. Uh, right. I would say uh, shrinking minority. The problem is that for our leading... Zionist parties for Likud and Labour and today there are more leading Zionist parties who think differently. It's not an important issue. Mm-hmm. That uh, uh, when started Haredization, uh, 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 ultra-Orthodox change in our uh, uh, in our chief rabbinate. Right. People don't remember when. With Oslo. Uh-huh. That was the thing which Rabin, okay, if in order to support my negotiation about Galan, and then it was uh-huh. Oslo, you need to control Chief Rabinate. It's such a non important thing in comparison with the peace. And when it continued, it continued without Likud government, the government, who uh, also said, if in order you will uh, support my strong efforts, to avoid the dangers of Oslo. And I was one of those who believed that we have a danger of Oslo. And uh, uh, to make sure that we can continue uh, our position on, on the Dao uh, Shamron in our negotiations. So if for this you need to continue strengthening uh, control of uh, ultra-Orthodox parties in every city, okay, that, that will be. And that's how it happens, that it's not as important as issues of security or issues of peace and that's why all the Zionist parties are ready to give away things in which they believe by the way right. as a result we see what's left from Oslo what's left from so, but from this issue of our relation with the diaspora we are in permanent uh, crisis do you think that so, should be so the, the priority? Thing is, that's why I believe the thing is to convince silent majority of Israelis that is a really important issue for our security, for our peace, for our future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, because again, you cannot, how you can convince 
somebody from Aguda that he has to accept a reformed rabbi as uh, 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 not even as a rabbi, he will not accept, but as an important cultural figure, right. community. He will not accept it. It's against, relevant. Uh, he won't think he's relevant. He, no, no, no. He thinks that no, no, he thinks that he's the one who is destroying the Jewish people. He or she, they are destroying Jewish people. You will not change it. But to say that in the when it comes to the political decisions, majority is deciding, and majority is deciding that they are relevant for the future of us as one people. No less, uh, 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 as I said many times in count, you don't want to call them rabbis, call them uh, community leaders. You don't want to call this synagogue, call it the the place of the meeting. After all, what is Beit Knesset? Place, uh, place of the meeting. Center, it doesn't yeah. matter. But right. two thirds of, of uh, diaspora jury are meeting there and listening to these people. So you want them to be part of our mutual cause. Right. So I think majority of Israelis can accept it. They simply have to be convinced that the priorities are right. right. How, how do you go about, because before you were talking about this idea of a- attracting your political base, right? that's what you were talking about before in the pragmatism of politics. So if somebody like Bibi Netanyahu, for example, wants to hold on to his power, where is his power? His power is with those Haredi parties. So how are the mainstream Zionist parties that you no, I'm, I'm sorry, he, he uh, Bino Antonyahu is getting, uh, becoming prime minister first of all because he's uh, getting leadership in, in Likud and Likud gets enough uh, mandates to be the leading force. Uh, majority of Likud people don't feel, don't share the ideology of, uh, of uh, Aguda. Majority. Right. But they don't understand how important it is for the survival of of Israel and Jewish people is this point of accepting pluralism. In some way, again. And the fact is that there were some good um, compromises, Vadat Neiman, or on the The Kotel. Only you have to stick to this. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then, again, again, it's not the time now to analyze, but if you stick to analyze why it's didn't happen it's again because there were other priorities and because at some moment there was this deep distrust between Israel leaders and uh, uh, some leaders of diaspora jury when uh, Israel leaders believe that this diaspora jury is uh, is ready to sacrifice the security of Israel uh, in order to have theoretical uh, opportunity to pray the Kotel, it will not right. work, and vice versa. Yeah. And you think that it should be prioritized? This diaspora. Should I be think it, uh, diaspora and Israel government have to prioritize the need of deep dialogue between themselves on all these issues. I wish. Your time is so precious, so we yeah. really we thank you so much, yeah, yeah. and I, I wish we could... Can we come back next week? <laughs> <laughs> you can come next year. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. We'll do that. Okay. And we uh, wish you uh, luck in your next uh, step. Okay, is, thank uh, you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, this is the part where I remind you that we are the JU Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. 
And it's also the part where I ask you to subscribe, to rate and review us, and to share and recommend us in any way you can. Also, we'd love your feedback so we can respond to you on or off the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. 